I'm excited to to launch this new series now, this new series on the book of uh, Nehemiah. Uh, before we get to that, um, I just want to I just want to kind of acknowledge that man, the, us meeting in the back room of a of a already existing church, like that's a wild thing, right? Like that's 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 an interesting thing. I mean, it's it's not only kind of like weird and unconventional and awkward, um, but it's just wild that this church is actually allowing us to use their space on a Sunday morning. I if especially if you're on our launch team, um, like man, I want to encourage you guys to not only be thankful but express that. Uh, to, to, to people of Stone Creek Church uh, as, you, as you run into them in the hallways. We're, we're mostly on opposite ends of, of the corner. Um, we share a bathroom. So, hey, if you meet someone in the bathroom, make a friend, right? And let's, uh, man, I'm, I'm so grateful for them. Like, they, uh, this room, last time I was in here, had like 20 chairs. And they had these, room, these chairs stacked in uh, the storage cabinet uh, that they said we could come and grab and set up for ourselves. Uh, but when we showed up here this morning, like, they had moved all those chairs in here for us. They're just going uh, unbelievably above and beyond uh, just serving our young church well. And so I'm, I'm grateful for their senior pastor. Pastor John and, and the elders and, and the congregation, he told me that they'd be praying for us this morning in, in the other room. So I want to pray for them too. Um, just express thanks for them and pray for their service. Also specifically, just want to let you guys know, uh, if you want to know how you can be praying for them, is the day after Easter this last week on Monday, like they're, they're a small church family. And they lost an 18-year-old uh, member of, of their church just this week. And to some type of auto accident. And so their, their church family has experienced a lot of heartbreak right now, a lot of pain, and even in the midst of that, that they would just shower us with just love and support. just means so much for us, to me and to us, and uh, I would just love to pray for them. So would you join me in praying? God, we thank you. We thank you, first of all, for being uh, a God who's good, a God who provides, a God who takes care of his people. I thank you for um, the ways that you have sustained uh, the ministry of Stone Creek Church. I thank you for the way that they're faithfully pursuing you, building up your body and blessing this community. And God, we just pray for them in the midst of this tragedy that they've experienced this week. And pray, God, that um, just that they would um, feel in a very real sense what it means to be a church family uh, that just loves and supports one another. And by extension, God, as, as part of the larger body of Christ, we pray for them as our family. And ask God that, that, that you would just provide healing uh, for their community. That you would bless their service this morning in the midst of this tragedy, that um, they would be able to find enduring joy in you, not, not, not pretend joy, but real, sustaining joy in the midst of pain and suffering. And God, we're just grateful for the love and the grace that they've shown us as a, as a new church family that's getting started. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you haven't already and you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1, we'll be walking through the, the English standard version. And I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to start 
this new series. I'm thrilled to start this new series on the book of Nehemiah because Nehemiah is, is an incredible book. Like you might, you might be sitting here, uh, especially if you don't have a church background, you might think like, hey, Nehemiah, that kind of sounds like an, uh, an Old Testament book, like a, a boring Old Testament book, uh, and you'd only be right about one of those things. Um, it is an Old Testament book, but it's far from boring. It's an incredible book, an incredible story about just a regular ordinary guy who's called by God to do extraordinary work. He's just a regular guy called by God to do an extraordinary work. This guy, Nehemiah, he's not like some, some, um, some big name Jewish guy. He's not this priest. He's not a pastor. He's not some other kind of churchy guy, right? Like he's a normal dude with a government job who ends up being one of the greatest leaders in the Bible by the sheer grace of God. You know how last week, if you were with us at Easter, we talked about, you know, Paul's autobiographical phrase where he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, right? And we know that that was Paul's story. His story was a story of God's grace. Nehemiah's story is a story of God's grace. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you know that that's your story too. And so this story of Nehemiah is this incredible story of grace about how God chooses and uses ordinary people to do his extraordinary work. And so the question for us to start with as we're launching this new series is how does this book relate to us? How does this old, ancient, Old Testament book about a guy with a strange name like Nehemiah, like how does that relate to us? And so I'll set us up for, we're going to be in this book for the next about 12 weeks. Uh, And uh, I'll I'll set us up by kind of giving us a little bit of an introduction. We'll be spending most of our time in in these 11 verses in Nehemiah chapter 1. But this sermon in particular will also serve as an introduction for where we're going and why we're studying this book. And so Nehemiah was, uh, just for some context, this, he was a man who was from the nation of Israel who was called by God to go back out of exile. You see, for, for literally hundreds of years, for hundreds of years, God's people, God's nation, they, they'd been in exile. They were scattered all over the place. They'd been in exile and scattered without a home. And God calls Nehemiah out of that exile back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city of God. Now, if you're on our launch team, like if you've been with us for the last several months, praying with us, preparing with us, training with us, searching the scriptures with us as we, as we kind of pressed in and asked the question, you know, what does it look like to be a faithful church in South Orange County in the 21st century? Like if you've been on that launch team, then you know that over the last several months, we've been learning a lot about the mission of the church, right? We've been learning a lot about the mission of the church, about the mission of God, and Nehemiah is all about how God's hand is over that mission. God's hand is over the mission of his people. You see, he's the one who calls, he's the one who provides, and he's the one that produces fruit. Nehemiah is about both what does faithful worship look like, but it's also about what does faithful mission look like. Nehemiah is the, the, the overarching story about how God's the one who, who builds, who reforms, who renews his people for his glory and for his fame. And so the, the, the major theme of Nehemiah is this. Simply put, that God is building a city. 
God is building a city. God is building a city. And that concept, it's interesting, like that concept of city, of culture, of community, of city, that's a central theme in Christian theology. The concept of the city. It's interesting, like Jesus talks about cities too, about our life in a city as his people. We see that in, in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse, verse 14. It'll be up on the screen. He says, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He tells them, he says, look, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And so see, Jesus is telling his people, his disciples, the church, you guys are like a city that are, is on a hill. It's meant to be a light to the world. So in other words, Jesus is saying that in every city, every time, every place that there's people, within that city, there should be another city, like a city within a city, right? And that city is the church. That city is the people of God. That's the city that God wants to build. Wherever there's people, he wants there to be a city, a people within that city that's a light to the world. That city is the church, which is basically all those who are saved by Jesus and live under his lordship and reign and according to the teaching of his word. And so the idea of church being a city goes, goes like this. Like there's, there's brokenness in the world, right? I mean, every single one of us knows that like when we look at the world, when we look at our communities, there's something that our hearts, our hearts just long for something more, right? We long for something better, right? You don't. You don't have to just flip on the news to know that, that the world is, is, is messed up. You just have to, to look around you, right? Or look inside you to know that things are not what they're supposed to be. Like there is brokenness in the world. And because there's brokenness in the world, we know that there's brokenness in a city, in a community like, like ours, right? And so that's why God says that there needs to be another city, a city of light within the city that shines from the church to the darkness of the surrounding area. That's what Jesus is talking about. <clears throat> See, a lot of theologians have said that the story of the Bible is really the story about how we got from a garden to a city. How we got from a garden to a city. You see, in the garden, things were perfect. You had true human flourishing until we jacked it all up, right? Like until sin entered the world, until fall and darkness pervades this, this, this perfect garden. And so what God does is, is, is out of the brokenness, he, he creates a nation, Israel, with a city, Jerusalem, to be a light to the world. And through that people would come eventually a Messiah, a Savior, a redeeming King who would create, uh, who, who would now institute a church that would be just like Jerusalem was, uh, a light to the surrounding world. And that as that church grows, Jesus says, I will build my church. It'll grow to the ends of the earth. And as that church grows, and we know that he's good on that promise, because here we are on an entirely different continent 2,000 years later, right? Like singing songs and, and hearing words about Jesus. Jesus promised, like, as the church grows until the end, uh, like, that church is going to grow until the end in the last two chapters of Revelation where we have a new city, a new Jerusalem. 
And so the story of the Bible is this overarching story about how we got from a garden to, and we're heading to, a new city. And the idea behind the new Jerusalem uh, in, the, in the Bible, you see it also called Zion, uh, is that the new Jerusalem is this prototypical city. It's mentioned like thousands of times in the Bible. And Jerusalem literally means like the peace of God. And so Jerusalem is, in the Old Testament, is the city of God, which is, and the city of God is basically wherever God is worshipped, wherever God's word is honored, and wherever God's people live together as a light-giving counterculture. That's what the city of God is, wherever God is worshipped, wherever God is honored, and wherever God's people live together as a light-giving counterculture, much like the church today as an example to other cities to show what life could be like for people who have faith in the God of the Bible. Like, that's the purpose of the city. That was the purpose of Jerusalem in the Old Testament. That's the purpose of the church today. And so, in, the, in fact, in the Old Testament, like, whenever God's people were backsliding, right? Which, if you're familiar with the Old Testament narrative, you know that happens a lot, right? Like, whenever God's people are kind of backsliding, uh, this, this constant exhortation they receive is, turn your eyes back to Jerusalem. You see, because that's where God chose for his name to dwell there. The re- the re- in the Old Testament, the reputation was riding on Jerusalem. And now today, the reputation is riding on the church. And so that's why this city is important. That's why Jerusalem was important. You see, when we get into Nehemiah, we discover that really the heart of God is to build his city, is to build his church through his people. You see, every time that we talk about the city of God in Nehemiah throughout this series, uh, I want us to know that that's basically like analogous to that, that future new city, but also to the present church. And so every time we talk about the city, you hear about the city and the walls and like Nehemiah, know that we're also talking about the church today. Uh, Because that's God's heart is to build his city, to build his church so that they can reach the nations by being an example to the nations. And so for every people group, for every community, for every region, for every city, God wants there to be a city on a hill, a faithful Remnant to spread the gospel and to be living examples of its message. When we walk through Nehemiah, what we're really talking about is we're talking about a group of people that are embarking on a mission that is really similar to ours as a young church plant. They're embarking on a mission that's similar to ours. You see, God is going to use Nehemiah to lead God's people on that mission. And just like God has a mission for them in their location, he has a mission for us in ours. You see, God didn't just place our church here just to minister to Christians. He placed our church here to minister to to the world, to the community, to those around us. You know, like as as Oscar mentioned earlier, like a handful of people who visited us on Easter said that for the first time in either a long time or the first time ever, they want to learn about what it means to follow Jesus. And praise God for that. And a few others want to get baptized for the first time. And that's crazy, right? It's like God really answers prayers. Like we've been praying for this for the last several months. We plant churches. The reason we plant churches is not to relocate Christians, is but to mobilize Christians to reach non-Christians with the hope of Jesus. That's what church planning is about. 
right? It's not about relocating Christians. It's about mobilizing Christians to reach those who don't know Jesus. It's not about like giving, you know, like the, the preacher or the leader is like a group of people to just like preach at. Like it's about being a community of Jesus, following him faithfully and inviting others in on, on, on what we have going. In our relationship with God. And so we want to love God and love others so that more and more people might come to know Jesus and worship him as God. And you see, that is God's strategic plan for how he's going to grow his church and bless the world. So that's why God's heart is for his city. And in our passage today, we see that Nehemiah is prompted by the Lord. His heart is stirred by the Lord when he hears of the condition of the city of Jerusalem. The spiritual city of God. Nehemiah's heart begins aligning. And so Nehemiah sits down for days. He sits down for days on his knees and he just, he just weeps. And he, and he prays. And today we're going to sweep over chapter one. Next week we're going to like we're going to sweep over the prayer and pick up some main points. Next week we'll actually kind of dive into the prayer in more detail. So it's kind of like Quentin Tarantino, right? We're going to give you sort of like the end, and then next week we're going to go back and go in more detail. Um, but this morning I want us to explore like three introductory questions for this series. And the first is, what is the real problem? What is the real problem with these broken? Like, why is that such a big deal? Why does Nehemiah weep over that? What is the real problem with broken walls? Secondly, how should we respond? And thirdly, um, really, what hope do we have? Um, So let's look at that first question. What's the real problem with these broken walls? What's the real problem? Read read verse 3 with me in Nehemiah chapter 1. In verse 3, Nehemiah says that these, these messengers, they said to him, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. So here's the scene. We see Nehemiah, again, he has a government job. He's working in the capital for the, for the king of Persia. And someone comes with some really concerning news about Jerusalem. Someone comes with concerning news. They say, look, the city of Jerusalem has been attacked by the Babylonians. And the walls surrounding the city have been destroyed and the gates have been burned down. You see, it's unfortunate that like, kind of we're, we're talking about these walls and building the walls when like, like kind of in the political discourse that we have going on right now, like it takes on a different meaning than what we have in the text today. And so to give you some context, um, really what, here's how city walls worked back then. Like really, you didn't have a city if you didn't have walls. Just straight, that's just how it was. You didn't have a city if you didn't have walls. They didn't... Um, like a city would be built inside walls. The walls served to fortify and protect the city from, from any kind of war or invasion. You see, in back then, when you had a city, when you had walls, that kind of said, hey, look, we're a real city. We're not just pretending to be a city. Like, we're actually a real city. We have, look, we have our walls, right? And so they'd have these walls, and those walls would have gates. And whenever there was potential for, like, invasion or danger, like, the gates would drop shut, and the armies would defend the gates, And so to survive as a city, you need both a wall and an army. Like you can't have an army without a wall because then you have nothing to defend. You'd have no line of defense. 
You guys ever watch like Lord of the Rings, like the Two Towers, the second movie? It's like the best of the three, right? But in Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers, you know that like there's this like two-hour battle scene. Right? Like at the wall, at the gates of Gondor, right? There's this two hour, like the, the overwhelming majority of the movies, this big battle at the gates, at the wall. Now imagine, if you've seen the movie, imagine that battle without the wall, <laughs> without the gates. It'd be like game over, right? There's like no contest. Like the, basically the wall's where the battle happens, right? Without those gates, without that wall, you don't, you don't have this, this city. You don't have Gondor, right? You don't have that epic battle scene because there's nothing to defend. And that's the point of having a wall around the city. And so the news that Nehemiah received is this. Hey, the Babylonians, they came to Jerusalem. They attacked. They broke down the wall. They burned up the gates. They hauled all the people off into exile. And in case you're wondering, like, that's bad news. Right? That's bad news to receive. Basically, now God's people can't get together for community and worship in the way that God intended anymore. They're scattered now, and that's the crisis. The little that are left are homeless now. Like the whole city's been destroyed. The modern equivalent for that would be like if, if, if Rancho Santa Margarita or Saddleback Valley was just utterly destroyed and everyone was gone. Like there was no Target, no, no Walmart, no movie theaters. Like everything was just a, a ghost town. There was no infrastructure, no people, no safety. And it was a deadly and dangerous place to be. And furthermore, Nehemiah hears that God's people have been destroyed. God's people within the city have been destroyed and sent into exile. That's like hearing, man, there's no more King's Cross. There's no more Stone Creek. Some of you came from Village Church in Irvine. Like, there's no more village or, 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 or the bridge or, or reverence. Like, it's all been burned to the ground. God's people have, have scattered. We couldn't have church anymore and people scattered. You see, the goal of Jerusalem as a city with walls was for God's people to have a place of fellowship, for God's people to have a place of community and worship within those walls. And all that has been destroyed. That's the news that Nehemiah receives. And so think, like, what would it be like if we just couldn't worship anymore? Like, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, like, imagine what it would be like if you just couldn't worship Jesus anymore, like, with, 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 with other people. Like, how would that feel? What would be stirring in your heart? And see, that's, that's, that's the news that Nehemiah re- received. And that's the real problem, is that the worship of God, in some sense, had been destroyed. They'd been scattered. And so the second question we look at now is now how should we respond? And to, and, to, and to know how we should respond to news like that, we need to look at uh, how did Nehemiah respond? You see, Nehemiah's response to the broken walls of Jerusalem was that he had a broken heart. He responded to the broken walls with a broken heart. You see, he loved the people of God, and he loved the glory of God. And he was in anguish because God's chosen people, God's special people, were unprotected. They were shamed and humiliated. And so Nehemiah wept because the glory of God had been just like obscured. Verse 4 tells us that he sat down and mourned for days. Read it with me. He says, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. 
And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So here's an interesting history lesson. The, ne- the walls of Jerusalem, at the point that Nehemiah received this noon, had been in ruin, had been in ruin for over 140 years. Had been in ruin for over 140 years. And so this likely wasn't actually the first time that Nehemiah had heard that there had been no real progress in rebuilding the walls. Like, everyone knew that. Everyone, like to the corners of the earth, knew about what happened in Jerusalem. Like Nehemiah already knew this information. And it's like me announcing to you guys, hey, I don't know if you guys heard, but Elvis, Elvis is dead. <laughs> he, passed, he, he passed away. He's, he's no longer with us, right? Like if I said that and you guys all started mourning and bawling and just like a, just a complete, complete emotional wreck, like that'd be strange, right? <laughs> Like that, that, that'd be kind of weird because it's like, well, we've kind of emotionally moved on from the fact that Elvis is dead, if you were ever emotionally invested at all, right? Like, and, and, so, and so it's strange, like it, it's, it's peculiar that Nehemiah, when he receives this news that everybody had already known about the walls for like the last 140 years, that he weeps the way that he does. Uh, and so what explains the way that Nehemiah responded to the news about Jerusalem? Because like you'd think he got new news, but that's not what this text says. But the only real explanation, the most reasonable explanation for this, is that God was at work in Nehemiah's heart in a new way. He was at work in Nehemiah's heart in a new way. Many of you guys are here who have joined our launch team and want to want to want to be a part of this church plant. Like you grew up around here, you grew up around this community. But at around the time that we started planting this church, if if, if you're like me, you know that like the Lord has started stirring things in your heart and giving you a new burden for your community in ways that maybe He hasn't before, right? Uh, that's the kind of thing going on in Nehemiah's heart. See, God had done something in his heart. God had done something in Nehemiah's heart, and what happened to his heart is that Nehemiah, what he felt was that he felt God's heart towards the brokenness. God's heart towards the shame and weakness and the scatteredness of God's people, and he, and, and, and he, and he wept. And so what does that mean for us today? Like, like Nehemiah's heart broke for his city. And again, the city of Jerusalem points ahead to the church of Jesus Christ. And so like Nehemiah cared about his city, like we should care deeply um, about the condition of ours. Just like he cared about the spiritual city of God, we should care about the spiritual city or like the church today. And so we respond with weeping and heartbreak. Like if we love the glory of God, if we love the glory of God, and if that's you this morning, and and um, then we'll be the kind of people who care not only about our community, but also about the spiritual health and well-being of God's church. You see, there are things that are broken in the church today, aren't they? There are things 
that are broken in the church today. First, we see that the church is, um, in many ways, is, is, is experiencing like decline. Like you've seen it, right? Like churches are in decline. I just had lunch with a few pastors uh, in, in the community here in RSM uh, uh, two days ago. Uh, and one of the pastors, all of us were mostly like new church planners, except for one guy who planted his church 10 years ago. And he said that when he planted, there were four other church planners throughout the, the greater area that he used to grab lunch with regularly, just like we were grabbing lunch with. He said of those five guys, like he's the only one left. He's the only one left. We also see internal problems in churches, don't we? We see internal problems, like, like we see dissension, a lack of love, bitterness, a lack of leadership, a lack of healthy leadership, lack of forgiveness, hypocrisy, moral failings among church leaders, materialism amongst churches. Like in so many ways, the church thinks and acts like, like a dark community, right? Like a lost world. But we also see problems with our external witness, too, Right? Like on the one hand, we have many churches that have picked up on the fact that preaching about Jesus and his gospel are not popular and kind of controversial, and so they've just outright stopped preaching it. Unfaithful. But on the other hand, there's other churches who are maybe solid on their doctrine, but they're so scared and defensively inwardly focused that they're not engaging anybody outside their walls. They're just stuck in these ivory towers, pontificating. Right? And see, like these are the metaphorical like burned gates. These are the metaphorical, like gaping holes in the walls of the church today. You see, meanwhile, there are hundreds of thousands of men, women, and children like living throughout South Orange County, like millions throughout Orange County that are living their lives without the hope of Jesus. And there are a lot of people who are broken without him. And so God has a heart for those people. He has a heart for this community too, and that's why he has a heart for his church, so that that church can be a city on a hill, a light to the surrounding world. And so Nehemiah goes on, and he presses in, and he says, look, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down. I dropped to my knees. I sat down, and I wept and mourned for days, day upon day, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So Nehemiah prays. That's how he responds. He prays. He has a broken heart and he prays. Nine times throughout the book of Nehemiah, he find him praying. So here's how we respond. Here's how we respond. When God's spirit begins to move among his people and they see the broken walls and begin, they see the broken walls and they begin to, they begin to, to, to care. They begin to care. They turn from their indifference and their hearts are broken over whatever doesn't glorify God, whatever doesn't glorify Jesus in his church. You see, when, when our hearts are broken in that way, then, and, then what happens is we start to take ownership of our own compromise. And then we also cry out to God and ask him to intervene. We ask him to work in us and through us. Like that's what they did. Like Nehemiah asked for God to work in them and through them and he prayed for revival in a dry and weary land. And that's why God calls us to prayer at at, at this church. That's why God calls us to prayer today. See, we've been gathering and praying for this church 
And for this community that we're in, for like the last several months, as a launch team, we've been, we've been meeting and we've been praying for this community and praying for, for this church. And it's because we're so dependent on God through prayer, right? Like if God is going to build this, if this is going to succeed, like we need his, his help. We're dependent on him. Like I just don't think we're ever going get, to get, get around the fact that like we're dependent on him with prayer. You can't escape it. And so that's why we prayed. That's why they prayed in Nehemiah 1. That's why he prayed. And we prayed that God would draw people. Over the last several months, we prayed that God would draw people who can meet Jesus, who can grow to love him and get baptized in the name of our triune God. And God did that, right? We heard the testimony earlier at the beginning, like God did that. We have four people who want to be baptized. Uh, many of them are in this room. And that leads us to our third question. Like if this is, if this is our burden, if this is what breaks our hearts, if this is what we pray for, then what really, what hope do we have? Where does our hope lie? Look at verse, that's number three. What hope do we have? In verse 10, Nehemiah is praying for others, and he describes the people of God like this. Read, read, read verse 10 with me. He says, They are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. You see, Nehemiah, at this point, he's praying for the other exiles, for the other people who are serving God because he's, he's grateful for them and because he has a heart for them too. You see, he's reminded that he's not the only one who loves the God of the Bible. He's not the only one who loves Jesus. Like, and we're reminded that, that, that we're, we're not the only ones too, Right? Like, we're not under the illusion that, as a young church plant, that, that, that we're not the only church that God is using and working in, 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 in South Orange County. We're not the only church that God is using. We're just thrilled to be a part of whatever God's doing, right? Like, we hope that the, the, the Christians that we're able to mobilize and the people that we're able to reach are, are the people that, um, that, that, that aren't being reached by, by, by others, right? And so we're just thrilled to be part of whatever God's doing, what he has been doing in our community and what he will do through us. See, some of you feel the way that Nehemiah felt. You resonate with him. You feel the way he felt. You have this God-given burden for your church and for your, your community, and you've already been praying, you've already been serving, you've already been giving, you've already been participating in the mission that God has called us to. And we're grateful for that. We're grateful for you. We're grateful to be serving Jesus alongside you. And we pray that our number would just increase. You see, when Nehemiah used that word, when he described them as redeemed people, what he was referencing was the fact that was God's, the way that God bought his people back from slavery in Egypt and exile in, when they were in Babylon. And so when we read that word redemption, we understand that the ultimate meaning, that the full meaning is that it, it's fulfilled in, in Jesus. It's fulfilled in Jesus. And so we're God's people today who've been redeemed and bought back from slavery to not not from Egypt but but slavery to sin by the blood of his son Jesus Christ you see that's our reality that is our identity and that should do two things for us first it should make us hate to see sin and compromise amongst us right like it should cause us to hate to see any compromise in the church 
cause us to hate to see any brokenness in our community. Secondly, it should fill us with an incredible confidence that, that if we turn to God, if we turn to him and cry out for his help, then he will restore, he will reform, and he will renew us, his people, and multiply us. You see, Nehemiah had this confidence in verse 11. Uh, look at it. It's part of his prayer in verse 11. He says, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today. You see, he had a hope that God was listening, that God would answer this, this, this prayer. And that is the hope that fuels our mission. That is the hope that fuels our mission as the church. You see, if you want to boil it down, the church exists for really just, just one reason. And that is to make the name of Jesus look great, right? Like to spread his, his fame. Like that's all we care about is to spread his glory, to spread his fame. Not any one person, not any one church. It's all about the name of Jesus. And so we need to confess our sin and brokenness. We need to admit the areas that we fall short. We need to be thankful to God. We need to care for our neighbors. We need to remember His promises. You see, in uh, late 19th, um, early early 20th century, um, there's a church... Uh, in the middle of London, uh, during a time that, like, uh, because of this, uh, like, industrial revolution that just recently sweeped the area, like, all these people had flocked to the city, right? All these people had flocked to the city, uh, and there was not enough um, political and industrial infrastructure to support that, and there wasn't enough spiritual infrastructure either. And so what ended up happening is all these people flocked to the city, and then the homeless rate increased. Uh, the guys that were... Um, Working at these factories um, would 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 be overworked and just like like die from being overworked, and so the number of widows and orphans increased too, um, and the city was just an absolute mess. Uh, and what happened was a lot of the churches that were there were just like, man, this is so overwhelming. Like the crime rate is going up, the homeless rate is going up. Uh, so you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna move to the suburbs. We're going to move to the suburbs. And if you actually look at that area right now, you'll see a lot of empty churches in the suburbs. uh, And you'll see hardly any um, historically grounded churches in the heart of London today. Uh, One church, um, one church decided, you know what? Like God sent us to this city uh, to be a light to the world, to be a city within a city. And so... What, what this church did is, is, is they decided to actually engage the culture. Uh, they set up orphanages. They set up classes uh, to, to teach business owners and factory owners like how to, how to run their businesses with, um, with, 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 in, with Christian ethics, like re- recognizing and upholding the dignity of their employees as fellow image bearers of God. Right? They started teaching these classes and caring for the orphans and caring for, for the widows and preaching the gospel, being a city within a city, being a light to the world. Uh, and the name of this church is Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. This pastor got by a guy named Charles Spurgeon. Um, you might have heard of him. Uh, they call him the Prince of Preachers. Right? Um, 
And so everyone knows about Spurgeon because of his preaching, but one of the greatest legacies that he has in the city is that when everyone else was taken off, like their church didn't move. They said, no, God placed us here for a reason. He's given us a mission. And see, if you want to boil it down, like that's the reason that our church exists. You see, we want to be a church like that. We want to be a church like that. Uh, incredible amounts of people are moving into the area. Meanwhile, the number of churches are decreasing. And so we, don't, we want to provide, um, by the grace of God, um, just uh, another church that's preaching the gospel, that's serving people, that's engaging our neighbors so that more people can come to know Jesus, love him, and worship him as God. And see, if we want a church like that, then we know that it starts like it did for Nehemiah. It starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. Nehemiah prayed, Give success to your servant today and grant him mercy. You see, he was about to meet uh, with, a, with a really wealthy man who was a ruler of the region that he was working in. He was about to ask for a favor to get the city re- rebuilt. And guess what? God answered his prayer right here in the meeting with that guy. And see, it all starts with a broken heart and a confident prayer. A broken heart and a confident prayer. Broken because you care about the church, because you care about the community, and confident because... Your God reigns. Your God rules. And so next week, we're going to talk more specifically, dive again deeper into the specific prayer that Nehemiah prayed. But this morning, let's just remember that when our church is broken, when our community is, is broken, when we hear of other churches that are, are, are broken and we see a community that is in need, um, let's share the spiritual burden together, cry out to our God like Nehemiah did. Praying and crying out to God to do what only God can do, restore, reform, and renew His church, all for His glory and for the good of our neighbors. Amen. Thank you for listening to the King's Cross Church Podcast. If you would like to learn more about King's Cross Church or make a donation, please visit kx.church. Here at King's Cross, we believe that worship means more than just listening to a sermon, and we encourage listeners to be part of a local church gathering. For Sunday morning meeting time and location for King's Cross Church, please visit kx.church. Thanks again for listening.